0: Is that just me? Is that just the worship team? Or is that you too? Is that you too? Can I get an amen? Amen. Then come on, let's go there. Come on. The Lord opened that door. All you need to do is just walk in. Come on. Let's get on that level. The Lord's walking you in. Jesus. Shore Jesus. to worship if this is your first time here. Thank you for coming and welcome to church. Holy Jesus. You are holy, Lord. You are holy, Jesus. You are set apart from us, God. You are set apart from everything on this earth, everything on this universe, Lord Father. You are holy. You are separate, God. Jesus, you there's nothing that compares you, God. And we acknowledge that. And we exalt your name, Lord. And we exalt you, Father God. And we exalt we our King Jesus. Night. Father, we love we you, God. You we love you, Jesus, and we cherish this time, Lord, and we give it unto you, Lord. We give it unto you, God. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray that you have your way, God, that you have your way. Okay, so today's message, the beginning, uh, entitled, We Have Left Blank to Follow You, and we're going to, that's actual scripture. That's what the disciples said to God, or to Jesus, rather, and today's challenge question is, what would you uh, leave to be committed? What will you leave behind and walk away from in order to reach your destiny with God? In order to reach the calling that the Lord and the purpose that the Lord has in your life? So we have left, think about it, just say like as if you're talking to Jesus face to face, Jesus, we have left, I have left blank. To follow you. So today's objective of the the message is to remind the believer, you guys, the believer, to remind the believer why Jesus is the King of Kings and not the Burger King, right? Okay, you guys get that? All right, so we got to rem- I got to remind you here, some of you at least, and and even some of us, okay? We got to be reminded that Jesus is not Burger King but the king of kings, okay? Revelation says that he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's not bird king. You can't have it your way. You have to have it his way or no way at all, amen? Can't have it your way. Somebody say, can't have it your way. Got to be God's way, amen. Okay, let's go to verse chapter uh, chapter 19, verse 16. The title of that passage is what? The rich young man, very good. Now, verse 16, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? That's a good question, right? What things do I have to do in order to get eternal life? Now, before we go there, before we go on, rather, I want to show you exactly where we're at. Because in chapter 19, Jesus actually moves from Galilee. You guys remember Galilee? Galilee. Right by the Sea of Galilee, which is like, it looks like a really big lake, right? Uh, Adam, I your your sword, please, quickly. Thank you. So, turn your Bible. You're already there. Matthew chapter 19. I don't have it prepared here. I'm sorry. That's my fault. That's why you got to learn how to work the word before. That's right. Before it works you. So, we're going to go ahead and go to verse 1. 19 verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying these things... He left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. And the Jordan is what? A what? What is it? A what? A river. Okay. So you see where we're at right here, right? So you guys know where you're at. We're right here, right? United States, Chicago, right by Lake Michigan. So we're going on a journey. We're going to go all the way right in this area right here you guys know what this is right this is what africa okay that boot looking country is all right that's spain very good that's modern day turkey okay so we're right here and we're gonna go ahead and go to the next slide there you go so we're right there remember what i was pointing to this is it right here this is what i was pointing to so we still got africa right here specifically egypt here we still got um Where are we at? we got Turkey right right here. That's monitoring Turkey. So we're looking in this area right here. You see this dot here? You see that dot, that blue dot? That's a lake. That's the Sea of Galilee, okay? That's where Jesus was previously. And we're going to go down the Jordan River. It actually goes down through here. And this big blue spot here is actually the Dead Sea, okay? You guys heard of the Dead Sea before, right? Amen? Okay, most of you, praise the Lord. Okay, so we're right here. A closer view. We are right here, let's see, so, okay, same thing, I got a next slide, there we go, that's what I'm looking for, so previously, Jesus was right here in the region of Galilee, that right there is the Sea of Galilee, this right here is the Jordan what? River, okay, what's, what's so special about the Jordan River? Jesus got baptized in it, and right here is the Dead Sea Scroll, and you see right here, Judea, so he moved from there all the way down here. This is where we're at right now, chapter 19. This is where we're at, okay? Amen? You guys understand now? It's good to have a visual where, 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 uh, where you are reading about. Brother, thank you for your story. Here's it. Thank you. And let's continue on. So let's read verse 16 again. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man replied, or inquired? Jesus replied, do not murder. Do not not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony or lie. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you better listen, because he is talking to you, somebody, all right? He is speaking the truth right here. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to, to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter asked him, what? We have left everything to follow you. We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Verse 28, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. Now he's talking to His, his disciples now, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit internal life. Now, internal life meaning heaven. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So let's break this down. Let's break this down really quick. You guys get that, right? Now the main characters, we have the disciples, we have the rich man, the rich young man, and Jesus Christ. Okay? So in verse 16, we see once again that now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? Now, what does he mean by eternal life? He means heaven, right? What do I have to Jesus? What do I have to do in order to get to heaven? What do I have to do? Because he, he hears him preaching the word. He hears Jesus, he sees the signs and the wonders, and miracles, he sees him doing it, man. And if you kept on reading, if we kept on reading in nineteen verse one, it says as he went down to Judea, he kept on doing and he, he kept on doing healings and the miracles. Okay? So he saw that he knew what was going on. And he said, teacher, Jesus, what good things must I do? What what good things do I have to do in order to get to heaven? So we find that the rich young man was thinking in terms that most people think today. He, He had that same mindset that we find a lot of people, including myself, about three years ago, the same mindset. Salvation, being saved, being able to go to heaven by works. Okay? But it's not by works, it's by... Grace by the grace of God. So, there, the more good I do, the better chances I will have getting to heaven. That's that's the mentality that a lot of us used to have, or and a lot of us, some some of us, some people have now. The more good I do, the better chances I have in getting to heaven. So, if my good outweighs my bad, I'll be okay. So, if I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't rape. i I'm be pretty good. I, I can swear those are little sins. I I can lie, those are little sins. I could disobey my parents, that's a little sin. That's okay. As long as they don't find out, as long as nobody knows it don't hurt nobody. Right? Isn't that the mentality that most people have today? But look, guys, it, it doesn't work that way. It, salvation is not by works, it's not what you do. Okay? It's not what you do. It's just as common today. As it was 2,000 years ago. And because of that, Jesus corrected the young man, the rich, young, rich man's way of thinking and expanded on the word good. Somebody say good. Because what did he ask? What good things must I do? Because he has that mentality. He's like, okay, the more good I do, the more better chance I have to get to heaven. And Jesus, what does he say to him? In verse uh, 17, what does he say to him? Elevate. Why do you ask me about what is good? So let's find out what the scripture has to say. What scriptures have to say about the word good. So we find in Psalms 119 verse 68, it says, you are good. It's talking about God. You are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Now who 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 is who is David or Solomon rather calling good. God, who, you are good and what you do is good. In Psalms 107, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let us give thanks for his unfailing love. 2nd Chronicles 5:13 The trump the trumpeters and singers joined in the unison, all in once, as with one voice, to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and saying, He is God, and His love endures forever. You guys... First of all, let's just just sidetrack really quick. Don't you wish we had some trumpets here, right? But look, we might not have trumpets, but we have an awesome drummer. We have an awesome guitar player. We have an awesome worship leader. We have more than trumpets, guys. We have our hands. I can hear the sound, right, right. And then we got the drums to help out. We got my brother Adam on the on the on the guitar with the backup vocals, right? Look okay, at that. What did they say? And the singers joined in unison, accompanied by triumph uh, by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. Did it say one person raised their voice? Yes or no? Did it say one person raised their voice? Did it say two people raised their voice? No, it's they, meaning the, the whole, everybody there. They raise their voices in praise to the Lord and saying, He is what? He is good and His love endures forever. And that's actually a song. Right? You guys remember that? You are good and your love endures forever. Come on, somebody. So we see... Mainly two scriptures. I think I put on the wrong scripture for uh, Psalms 107. But for sure, Psalms 119, it says you are good, and what you do is good. And the, the people saying he is good, right? So we learn. Oh, sister, can you just thank you? Let's go back, sister. Thank you. Thank you. So what do we see here through that? we find out that he's good, right? So what does the scriptures say about good? Who's good? God's good. So through the scriptures, we find that God is good. Amen? So let's go on. Let's keep on saying let's, let's keep on going. In Isaiah 40, verse 28, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The, somebody say, creator of the ends of the earth. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. I am, this is God speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The beginning and the end. And alpha is actually the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So he's like saying, I'm the A and I'm the Z, baby. Come on, somebody. I am the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You see, through scriptures, we find that God is the creator. He is the first. He is the beginning and the end. Now, I got, Think about this really quick, guys. So this means that there is no one before God, and if there was no one before Him, then that means that God is the beginning. And if He is the beginning, then He is the Creator, right? You guys got that even through Scripture? That could only mean that God is the Creator of good. The only way good exists at all is through God, because God is good. So we understand through Scripture that God is the creator of good, that through him there is no good, so therefore God is good. Amen? Somebody say God's good. God is good. Come on, somebody. So Jesus asked the rich young man, why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. Who's that? Amen. Come on, somebody. So in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? So, uh, yeah, God is good, right? So if you have God's spirit in you through the temple, that you are the temple of God. You are saved born again living for the lord you are officially the temple of god meaning you have god in you so if you have god's spirit in you then you are good why do you ask me what is good jesus said because you're not cuz you're not just supposed to do good you are supposed to have god's spirit inside you and become good amen so when that rich man young rich man asked jesus that question jesus is like What are you talking about, son? Do you not understand what is good? You're supposed to be that good. What do you mean, good works? You are that good work. You are that good. Within the first two verses, we see the major differences between Jesus and the religious leaders. Because, look, it's not the, the young rich man's fault that he had this mentality. That's just the way he was raised. That's just the way the Jewish the Jewish culture was raised through good works. You'll, you'll be able to uh, go through uh, 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 heaven or paradise if you do good works, if you're a good Jewish man or woman. So we see right there the differences within the first two verses between Jesus and Jesus. And the religious leaders of that time. If you want to enter life, let's continue reading the scripture. If you want to enter life, or eternal life rather, obey the what? Obey the commandments. In verse 18, the rich young man says, which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony, which means do not lie. Honor your father and your mother, meaning don't disobey them. Don't rebel against them. And love your neighbor as yourself. That means don't get into fights. Don't curse somebody out because they sold your pudding at lunch. You understand me? Okay? All these I have kept, the young man said. So he's like, Jesus is like, name them. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't respect your parents. Don't lie. And the got the rich man said, I, 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 I do that. I, I, come on, man. All these I have done. The young man said, what, what do I still like? Jesus, I do. I, come, come on. I do those things, yo. Come on. Aren't you like, you know, can't you see things? Aren't, aren't they calling you a prophet? Can't you see my life right now? Can you imagine the way, like, the way you looked at him and said, uh, come on, dude. I'm doing that. I'm doing it. In John chapter 15, verse 2. It says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Let me, let, me, let me explain that to you really quick. In the book of John, chapter 15, Jesus uses an analogy to describe his believers, the believers, and God and himself. Jesus says that I am divine. So think of this as divine, okay, like a tree, okay? This is a tree, tree trunk, okay? These are the roots, right? How does uh, uh, one way that the tree... Um, uh, gets its energy is through the roots. That's where it, it gets its food supply, right? Am I right or am I wrong? Right? And, and okay, good. Okay, good. So out of a tree comes out what? Branches, right? And these branches, in his analogy that Jesus describes, is what? Us, the believers. Now, if the branches are not producing fruit, that means they're dead, right? So what does God do? <laughs> Cuts them off and throws them into the fire. That's supposed to represent the believer that does not produce fruit, that does not go on with God and do what, what, what the commandments uh, that the Bible tells us to do. God cuts it off, throws it into the fire, lets them burn, because that, that, uh, that branch decided not to produce any fruit. But for the good fruit, what does John say? What does John say? Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. God prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So through pruning, you guys know what pruning is? You grab a flower, you, you start plucking it a little bit, right? Plucking it here and there, plucking it here and there. So by doing that, it produces more fruit. Now, it might be painful for a little bit to us because he says that as branches, God's going to prune us. You understand what I mean? So a lot of times in our walk with the Lord, especially in the beginning, the Lord will start to prune us. He's going to start pruning the branches so that we may produce fruit. So he's going to remove or cut things out of our lives, according to John chapter 15, verse 2. And like the rich young man, we tell God, your commandments I have kept. He's like, God, I kept your commandments. Like the rich young man, he's like, what else do I lack, right? How many of you guys asked God that before, right? God says, I don't want that in your life. I want to cut that off. And he either tells you straight up through prayer in your heart, through dreams, through visions, or through your leaders, right? He either tells you one way or another, and then you find out, you're like, Lord, come on, I'm keeping your commandments. You know, he's pruning you. It, it, it's a hurtful process right there. What do I still lack? Let, let, let's cross-reference right here. I, I, I found something. As we are studying the scriptures, go to the next one, sister. Thank you. So Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, this is what we're on. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Verse twenty-one. Jesus answered, "If you want to be perfect, sell your possessions, and give the poor, uh, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me." When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because his face, uh, because he had great wealth. Now, Mark chapter ten verse twenty, Mark has uh, uh, says it slightly different, and it's a little bit more descriptive, and just something specific that I want you guys to see. It says teacher. He declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. So he's been doing it for a long time. He's he's a man now. He said, I've been doing this since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him, and what? And loved him. And he mentioned something real important. He says, one thing you lack. You see, the rich young man said, like, Jesus, I've, I've been doing this since I was a boy. I've been following your commandments. I don't murder. I don't steal. I don't lie. I respect my parents. They bought me a new outfit yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, come on. I'm bling blinging right now. And then, and then Jesus looks at him and he says, but you're lacking one thing. You're lacking one thing, he says. Jesus looked at him with the same love. That love that Mark describes right there is the same love in Matthew 9. Chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 36, when, when it mentions he felt compassion upon the people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says that Jesus felt compassion. I, I preached on this. You guys remember that? He felt compassion upon the people. Why? Because in the eyes of Jesus, they were sheep without a shepherd. They were just sheep without somebody directing them. They were just lost, wandering out there by themselves. And that same love mentioned by Mark is the same compassion, that love of compassion that Jesus felt in Matthew chapter 9, that event. It's the same thing, guys. And as we continue reading, Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. You see, Jesus tested the rich man and his wealth because he knew that his wealth was his vulnerability. He was vulnerable through his wealth because that was his sense of security, right? That was the rich man's source of security. It wasn't God. You see, our source of security, our source of comfort should not be on physical objects or Something like sports or your ability to get girls or whatever it is, okay? Have mercy, Lord. But it should be God. Your comfort zone, your, your, your thing that, that just calms you down, that security, should always be God. But for the rich young man, it was his money. It was his wealth. He was not willing to put God above his possessions. This was the beginning of God's pruning process upon the rich young man. You see the rich young man, he came. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? And Jesus starts to explain what he has to do. And right there, he was a willing vessel, right? Right there, he, he, was, he was almost, you can even say he was desperate to, to seek God at that point. But as soon as Jesus said, I, look, you need to sell everything you got, because what you're facing right now, you're, you, you love your money way too much. And he's like, well, what? What, what? And at this, in Mark, the man's face fell so he heard that and his face just fell and he walked away sad he was like I can't I can't do that I'm sorry Jesus I I can't I can't let that go you see Jesus knows what each one of us lack in this room right now you understand know, me amen so Jesus knows you better than you know yourself he knows me better than I know myself, and he knows what I lack, and he knows what you guys lack. and He knows what everybody else lacks. You see, it, rather it be purity. Some people lack self-control. Some people lack humility. Some people lack faith, right? Or like the rich man, commitment. That rich man lacked commitment, guys. He was so committed to his, his wealth that he, that he refused to commit himself to God, to Christ and his followings. Guys, unfortunately, we see, even here in Elevate, right here, come on, let's, let's be real now. Even here at Elevate, we see a lack of commitment. Now how do we see that lack of, how do I know I see that lack of commitment? Because you guys aren't evangelizing. Some of you are, amen, praise the Lord, but some of you aren't inviting your friends. Some of you aren't committed to God as you ought to be, not in the sense of come to church, you know, telling everybody to come to church, that would be awesome, but I'm talking about devotional life. Some of you guys aren't committed to prayer. Some of you guys aren't committed to reading the word. Some of you guys aren't committed to saying, hey, Jesus loves you. Just saying a simple sentence like that, a statement, Jesus loves you. And is that a lie? It's not a lie, it's the truth. You see, there's a lack of commitment in this world and even in this youth group. You see? Now, I don't say this to discourage you at all, but I say this to encourage you, okay? So God uses leaders, he uses pastors like myself in order to prune you as well. It's not just God that, that he's not just going to straight up prune you. Sometimes he's not going to tell you exactly what you're lacking in your life. He's going to use leaders in your life. If you're being discipled. You know what I'm talking about. He's going to use people like myself, like Adam, like Susie, like Leilani like to say, hey, you need to cut that out. and or, and there's accountability and there's talking and there's, uh, there's the Word of God in place and the Lord does this for a reason. And right now, the Lord wants to prune every single one of you guys today. He wants to prune you. He wants to cut out those things. He wants to cut out the bad so that you could produce more. You understand me? When you cut out the bad, you produce more good. Amen? So guys... Don't be like the rich young man and lack something like commitment. Because that rich young man, as soon as he heard, it's like, I have to give that up? No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I could do that, Jesus. And he walked away. But he didn't just walk away. You see, he, he said he was sad and the man's face fell, meaning it was almost shameful to him. Let's go on in verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Just as we learned earlier that God literally means, or literally is what? He, he, God is good, right? We learned previously that God is good. We also find out through Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, that God is a jealous God, right? God is a jealous God. But it doesn't just stop there. See, but not, not just that, but God's name means jealous. You, you turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34, uh, verse 14. It says, Our God is a jealous God in all-consuming fire, and his name means jealous. So if you're more committed to your money, or you're more committed to your friends, or you're more committed to McDonald's, or you're more committed to your sports program, or you're more committed to video games, or you're more committed to TV, or the Internet, or Facebook, or MySpace, than you are to God. Let this wake you up really quick. Our God is a jealous God. And He's not just a jealous God to prove it, to make it to that extra level. God's name is jealous. So He's jealous for you. He burns for jealousy for you because He can't stand it when you don't commit to Him. He can't stand it when you're more committed to a physical object like the internet, like, like, like this is your computer and you're literally, you might not be doing this physically, but spiritually, God's looking at you and you're going, oh, I love you, computer, Facebook, Facebook, you know what I mean? Oh, I worship thee. I worship thee, Facebook. I worship thee. Dead or alive too, you know what I mean? Like I worship the whole oh, computer, right? You're like, like it's almost like you're not even singing songs at times, guys. Can I, can I be real with you guys right now? Can I be real? Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Look, how me preach tonight? Is that okay? You guys don't look at your computer as if it's your God. Look at God because He's always good. And your computer, sure, He wants us to have fun. He, Facebook is cool. I have Facebook. Pastor Joe has Facebook. Uh, Metro Praise in general has a Facebook. You understand me? As an organization, has a Facebook. But come on. If we're more committed to looking at the Internet, if we're more committed to video games, how sad is that? How sad is that? How much more is God looking at you? More jealous. Burning. Burning with jealousy. It says, Our God is a jealous God and all-consuming fire. His name is Jealous. That's the verse. That's Exodus. That's what it says. Our God is a jealous God. He's jealous that you are looking or doing something else rather more than you're, you're spending time with Him. He is consumed by fire. He is consumed within that jealous fire. And his name is jealous, and he's jealous for you, and he wants you for himself. And he wants to look at you and say, yeah, that is my daughter. That is my son. I am so proud of him. I am so proud of her because not one day uh, passes without him or her speaking to me or spending time unto me. And I know I could use him. I know I could use her. I know great fruit will come out of her. I know that if I prune him, that that he's going to produce fruit. I know that when he or she passes out a flyer to his or her friend, I know that I could trust him with that because I know that he has enough faith in me that I'm able to change lives through him through passing a flyer, through inviting people to church, I know that I will be able to use destiny. I know that I will be able to use Jennifer, that I'll be able to use Kevin. I'll be able to use Mikey and Robert. I'll be able to use them. Why? Because they are committed to me. And although I am burning of jealous jealousy within me, I am burning of it. I can still trust them. Because they still devote time to me. I'm burning for more. He burns for more. He burns for everything of us, guys. The rich young man, ultimately, what did he do? What did he do? Ultimately, he chose his wealth over God. You see, the decision to turn away reflected a greater love for his possessions than for eternal life in heaven. By the rich man walking away from Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man who died on the cross. And he didn't know that was going to happen. I felt, I bet, oh man, I wonder what he was thinking when that happened. When he found out, whoa, what in the world? The veil cut in two, what? The earth shook, what? Oh man, I shouldn't have turned away from that man. We don't exactly know what happened to the rich young man. But I would like to think that the fear of the Lord was instilled in him, and he turned away from his money. But you see, as far as we know, he ultimately chose his wealth over God. You guys, that's not new, is it? It's not new. We see it all the time. We see it all the time. Hey, hey come to church today, man. We, we go to evangelize. Hey, hey, bro, what are you doing tonight, man? You, you, you want to accept the Lord, right? We tell them what being born again is. Wow, you see, you see their faces just transform when they hear the gospel, when they hear the good news of Christ dying on the cross for for him or her, and say, "What God, did Jesus did that for me? What?" It's like, man, do you want to accept the Lord, man? Oh, I want. Yes, I want more of Him awesome and you know how to get more of him how come to church yes i'm gonna to go to church when tonight uh, i don't know about tonight uh, i don't know about tomorrow uh, i don't know i don't know uh, i already got plans what do you guys do i'm gonna to go to my girlfriend's house you already know right there and then what's gonna go down and it ain't gonna be jesus okay come on somebody come on you see there is a lack of commitment there And although the rich man, he came to Jesus earnest, he came to him, you can even say he came to him desperate. Lord, Jesus, teacher, teacher, what do I have to do in order to uh, maintain? What do I have to do in order to enter the kingdom of God? What do I have to do in order to have eternal life? What? I have to do that? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, yeah, I want to be born again. I want to be born again, man. Oh, man, what you're telling me is real. I I don't I don't want to do with that. Look I, at I, like I I just met you for for 5 minutes and you already told me all this and man, I just feel like I need more of God. Yes, I want it. I want it. Oh, oh, tonight at 7:30? No, I don't I don't know if I can make it. I, I don't know. Just like the rich man chose his wealth over God, people choose their other people other objects, other things over God every single day. Every time we go evangelizing, guys, every time. Or cuz if if we if every person would come that we evangelize to, this we would need about 5 of these buildings. You understand I me? Mean, this place would be packed out to the max. We wouldn't even be we everybody would have to sit on the floor. You guys, this isn't new. It happens all the time. In verse 23, let's continue reading. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You see, you guys know what an eye of the needle is? An eye of a needle? You know what a needle is to sew? Right? And you know, the end of that needle, there's like a little loopy thing that you put the string in, right? The, or the yarn, rather, right? It's like tiny. It's like this big, right? And we all know how big a camel is, right? He's like, whoop, up here, right? You see, Jesus, through this analogy, through this example of a, 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 the, the eye of a needle and a and camel, shows us the impossibility impossibility guys of getting into heaven through man's work if a person is not willing to let god get rid of unforgiveness if he's unwilling or she is unwilling to get uh to let god get rid of hatred sexual immorality pornography or fear even it is impossible for that person to get into heaven even fear guys Do you guys know that even fear do you guys know that Liz, can you, can you go there? Revelations 21, 8. Revelations, so guys, turn to your Bibles there, please. I don't want to make sure everybody sees this. Revelations chapter 24, 21 rather, verse 8. Let me get an amen with you there. Leave it like that. But the cowardly, People who have fear, you're a coward, right? But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, witchcraft, okay? The idolaters, and an an idolater is a person who puts something before God. So, like, that man put his wealth before God. That that that's him, and all what liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their place will be in hell, in other words. You see, God, guys, right here, this is proof that God does not believe in a big sin and a little sin. There's no such thing. Sin is sin. It's all the same level. Because he, put, he puts cowardly and murderers in the same category. If you have a fear of of, of talking to people about Jesus, and you've been saved for quite a while now, he's putting you in the same category as a murderer. Jesus says that if you're ashamed of me here on this earth, I'll be ashamed of you up in heaven. You guys know he said that? If you're ashamed of me while you're on this earth, I'm going to be ashamed of you while I'm in heaven. Guess where he is now? Guys, the cowardly will not inherit the kingdom of God. The cowardly will not inherit, will not enter heaven. The murderers, obviously, you guys, everybody knows that, will not enter heaven. Liars will not enter heaven. If you compulsively lie on a daily basis, you better check yourself. If you are an idolater, if you put something before God, if you put sports, video games before God, if you put your boyfriend, girlfriend before God, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter heaven. If you are sexually immoral, you are having sex before marriage, you are looking at pornography, you are struggling with, if you are just freely masturbating, okay, come on now. If you are freely doing that, you will not enter heaven. Those of you who continuously, even now, practice witchcraft, you will not enter heaven. You guys, and where's their place? People who do that on a regular basis, their place is in hell. Guys, this is the Bible. This is the Bible, guys. This is God speaking. The Bible speaks more about judgment and wrath than it does love and mercy. When Jesus was was ministering here 2,000 years ago as he was walking the streets of, of, of uh, Jerusalem, wh- wh- what did he speak more about? He spoke more about hell than he did heaven. He spoke more about sinners. He's trying to say something. Guys, let's get the fear of the Lord in our hearts tonight. Think about it, man. you got to fear God. Like if you know you did something bad at your house and you know mom or dad's coming home, you know, like, oh, oh, man, I'm going to get it now. I'm going to get grounded or I'm going to get smacked in the face or like me, I'm going to get a, a, a metal rod in the back of my head when I was growing up, okay? Man, I know I'm going to get it. When my brother broke that window, okay, and he blamed it on me, Come on, somebody. I knew I was going to get it because she was not going to believe me. She was going to believe him for some odd reason. You see that? <laughs> that happened. I knew that was going to happen. I had a fear of my mother. But it wasn't in the sense like, oh, my gosh, I'm afraid of her. And every time she comes, I run away. And now I'm going to run under the bed. And I'm, like, I'm going to hide because I'm so scared of her. She's going to murder me. No, not that type of fear. The fear has in a respect of authority. I know that she is, as my mother, I know she has, she's able to discipline me. And I respect her and I fear her in that sense. Understand me? That's the same way we gotta look at God. Have the fear of the Lord. Have the fear of God inside of you. Knowing that one day you're gonna get judged. How many of you guys freely go ahead and just just curse in front of your parents? How many of you guys just just go ahead and, and just curse up a storm? How many of you guys look at pornography in front of your parents? Huh? Oh, yeah, I didn't think so. Right? How many of you guys go ahead and and uh, would, would, like, punch somebody in the face in front of your parents? No, right? So if you have enough respect to not do it in front of your parents and have enough respect to not do it in front of God, because God sees everything. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Everywhere at all times. Don't do it. He's watching you. Have the fear of the Lord instilled in you tonight. Amen? Let's go on. uh, Verse 25 of uh, Matthew chapter 19. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and, and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Come on, somebody. Peter answered him, we have left everything. What, what's the title of the message? We have left blank to follow you. Today's message, we have left blank to follow you. Peter answered, we have left everything to follow you, Jesus. When, what then will there be for us? Then Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. As the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now that's specifically for his disciples. Okay? Um, But verse 29, And everyone, everyone, including everyone in here, who left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or fields, for my sake, now he's not saying to run away from your house. He's not saying to run away from your father, your mother. He's saying, he's just saying that if, if, if you left, if they're making you do this, that, another sin, then you leave that. If this is, if, if, uh, you know what I mean, if you're grown, I'm saying, obviously, if you're a grown man or woman and you're over 18, which none of you really are, okay, like, like for me, I'll just use myself as an example. In my house, it was very hard for me to be a man of God. Why? Because there was just a big mess in my house, and my mom at that time—not anymore, praise the Lord through prayer—but at that time really had it out for me. I almost got kicked out of my house for being saved. You understand me? I almost got kicked out of my house for coming home drunk, cursing out a storm, finding my brother and my mother all the time. But and, and but as soon as I got saved, doing good, stopped drinking, do start living for the Lord, living holy. I started. My mom started threatening me to kick me out of the house because I spent so much time with church, God. You understand me? So I was in that type of an environment, and it was hindering me, and I had to leave. So I'm one of these people. For the, He says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters and fathers or mother or children or fields for my sake. You see, he's saying, whoever left their past or whatever was hindering for my sake, who lived for me will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit the eternal life. Now, the reward promise here, because so, he says we'll receive a hundred times as much, the reward he promised here doesn't necessarily mean physical treasure, guys. It doesn't mean gems and gold and all that. He sees, look at, look at it this way, Elevate, okay? God never takes anything from his followers that he does not replace with something infinitely greater According to his purpose. So if you leave something for the sake of God, he's going to go ahead and bless you an infinite amount of times extra. Amen? For his purpose. According to his will. So if you leave a boyfriend or girlfriend, because you know that boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is, is not living for the Lord. You left it for God. Then God's going to replace that gap, that hole, that that man that that or woman that boyfriend or girlfriend um was feeling, and once you left there was there was a gap in there now god's gonna fill that in an infinite amount of uh, infinite amount, and he's gonna keep on going, and he's gonna fill it more he's gonna fill it more he's gonna replace it with something infinitely greater amen verse thirty, but many who are first will be what, and many who are last will be. So right here we learn a very important lesson that those people who think they're first, who, who think, who, 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 people at your school even will be like, man, you know what? I get all the girls. I, I, I'm the jock. I could play any sport. I'm good. I look fly all the time. Or ladies of those girls would be like, man, I could get any guy I want. Or I have this amount of money. Or I can get whatever I want. I have this many amount of clothes. And, and you look at them, and, and literally in their school, in the eyes of the world, they're they're first in your school. They're right there. They're top-notch seniors, you know, type of thing. Okay, they're right there. But to you right now, to them, you're last. They're looking at you like you're the lamest person in the world. Like, man, you are lame for going to church. And some of you had to leave friends like that. Some of you were like that. You know what I mean? Some of you were like that or had to leave people like that, and they're looking at you as like, dude, you, 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 what? What are you doing going to church? You left church? You left me for that. And God says at the, what is he saying? That many who are first will be last, and those who are last, according to the world's eyes, will be first. Amen? So, guys, elevate. Keep your head up high. Don't be a coward. Don't be a murderer. (laughs) Okay? Don't lie. Don't sin. Do not, do not put anything before the Lord. Do not be uncommitted. Commit everything to the Lord so that you may have eternal life with God and that the Lord will infinitely reward you in your heart and your life here on earth and especially in heaven. Amen.